Welcome back to But Why They're the Podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that matter and ask the question, but why though? Today's show is going to be all about the 17 years, is it 16 years or 17 years, Adrian? 16 years. 16 years. Uh, 16 year franchise of The Fast and The Furious. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And with our special guest who has had about 20 years, would you say, on the street racing and car scene, Jay Pilawan. What up, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You'll fit in nicely. For this Adrian and Tom usually take the really good one, so I had to come up with something of my own. <laughs> I like it. I like to know that you did your prep work. <laughs> We're happy to have you. I listen to the podcast when I can, when 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 I'm at the shop working. So, but I I kind of delve in and out of them since I'm in and out of cars all day. <laughs> um. So, on a little uh, on a little heavier note, uh, this is our first episode recording without uh, Ryan and Tom, and we would like to thank them for all their hard work and laughs that they've brought us over the past 15 episodes and I believe the 11 BS Corners. But unfortunately, they've had to step away from the project um, just so that they could uh, devote more time to their family. And uh, we wish them all the best in everything. And it's going to be hard to replace them. Uh, But the show must go on. And we love you guys. Um, So yeah. Uh, Shall we delve into the the cars, 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 cars? Let's do it. We shall. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So um, as is the new slash usual format, uh, Adrian is actually going to be taking over this episode as well. So uh, without a further ado, Adrian, do you want to ask your uh, your question? Yeah, so as we usually do, just to get a sense of where everyone's at during the recording, What's your guys' involvement with the franchise? Um, do you have a favorite character, favorite movie? Let, let's let's hear it. Because I know this has, I think we, at, I, at least we have some, you know, sense of like, yeah, I'll go watch that. But this this franchise has a big, uh, you know, love-hate relationship with the, with the world, it seems. So what's your mm-hmm. involvement like? Well, what do you like? What about, uh, let's start with you, Jay. Uh, well, I mean, I remember, you know, back when, when the movie first came out, um, it was it was a genuine love, and and you see the movie kind of progress. And it, personally, I'm kind of indifferent, but it, it's still an entertaining story, nonetheless. But um, I don't know. I'd have to say that um, I'm I would be a, a big supporter, but I it's lost my it's lost the continuity of of uh, car like heart heart to car, you know. Yeah. You have a favorite character. I imagine the first yeah. one might be your favorite since it's where, where it all started. No, actually, surprisingly, uh, Tokyo Drift would have to be my favorite movie, and uh, Han would yes. have to be my favorite character. Uh, maybe it's like an Asian thing because I'm half Filipino, so I kind of understand where he's coming <laughs> from. Uh, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, he's kind of like practical, philosophical in nature, and that's kind of how I live my lifestyle too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey man, Char- character driven. And he's always eating. Well, yeah. those, so you know it works. He's my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> you have Han hair, or you had Han hair, right? Well, it's super long now. It's like more than halfway down my back. So I'm I'm beyond Han at this point. I've I've ascended. 
<laughs> Are you in your final form now? <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> what about you, Kate? So for me, um, I really loved, uh, I actually watched this a lot with uh, uh, Growing Up was the first one. I watched it every time it came on. Um, I did not like Too Fast, Too Furious. I, I don't know why I hated it, but I hated it. Um, and then my favorite one is actually Tokyo Drift as well. Um, and now I have the Teriyaki Boys song in my head. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be playing the rest of the night. Um, that being said, even though my favorite character is not in Tokyo Drift, I just really love Letty, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character. Um, she is, she, she's my favorite. Um, I, I'm, and I just love Michelle Rodriguez. And this is, this is probably the movie when I saw it and I was like, okay, so a Latina cannot, doesn't just have to be like super hypersexual. She can just be like, I'm gonna kick your ass too. Um, so this franchise, like I, I just really love what they did with her. Hey, I like both of those answers. Uh, for me, <laughs> my, my uncle you know, he he was into like street racing and and tuning up cars and stuff. He had an eclipse back in the day, and that was probably way too low uh, <laughs> than it should be. So he so he watched this and and he she showed it to me and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm on the other side of of what Jay said. I, I've I've stuck with them through all eight movies. You know their their transition. I think their transition is justified, and we'll talk about that you know a little bit later. But. I've stuck with it. The characters are so great that they could literally be doing anything. And I'd probably still go back and watch them do just about anything. Like they could be in wheelchairs racing down a nursing home. I'd probably still watch them if like Vin Diesel and the rock were racing. Together. Yeah. I could completely hate the franchise, but I'd still watch it just, just to see what would happen next. Racing rascal scooters in space. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Oh, sign me up. We're going to copyright that idea right now. Sign me up. <laughs> too, too late. Vin Diesel already came up with it. It's going to be in like 10 movies from now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, so who's your favorite character? Ooh, I don't know if I have um, a favorite character. I think my favorite movie, honestly, would probably have to be this last one. I, I, I think it was just really good all around. I think the seventh one was just too crazy. Not that I didn't like it. It was just like too over the top. Uh, Holding even on to have... a spoiler with your fingertips wasn't wasn't it wasn't in the realm of physics for you. Hey, you know they did some practical stunts in that movie that <laughs> actually they actually did. So, except for the jumping through the two buildings thing, they didn't really do that one. But <laughs> this the eighth one was kind of just like more back to the roots of you know the the first few and kind of like harks on because like Fast Five is probably like one of the more popular ones and it's more like Fast Five than it is. Fast Seven or like Fast and Furious Seven, so that's probably my favorite. Favorite character? I really like Hobbs, the Rock's character. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, he he is a lovable character to say the least. Yeah, he's a he. I think he's a great character. You know, he's uh, right on that mor morality that I, I think I think worked for me in my own personal life, and he's really cool with his daughter, so it, it all works for me. The only right on. thing I remember of Hobbs is him taking a damn minigun off of a helicopter and walking down the street with it. Hey, Daddy's so, got to go to work, Kate. I'm gonna say go he's cool and flexing out of a cast. Yeah. So you know, I just remember when I saw him. I think it was Fast Five, and I just I felt 
for sure he added a, like at least seven or eight more muscles from the movie prior. Oh, no, yeah, like, <laughs> he was he was strapped up with muscles. There was muscles for days. Oh, yeah, on that for for this latest one, he put on about twenty more pounds of muscle, like specifically for the role. So when he's in Hobbs mode, he's definitely like final form jacked mode. Hold on, so oh, so the Rock put on twenty more pounds of muscle. No, yeah, he 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 worked oh out God. a lot for that does, for that role. How does how does his body like support all of that? Yeah, because I was watching uh, Central <laughs> Intelligence earlier today, just because it was on TV. And I was like, whoa, he looks a lot smaller there than he does in Fast and Furious Eight. So, or Fate of the Furious. So, yeah, he gets he gets super jack, super into it. Oof, that that I, I I'm trying to think of like the like how much you would have to dedicate. I mean, just I guess. Because all these characters or all these actors, like the majority of them are pretty, 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 pretty ripped. Like that that amount of time in the gym. Because I'm betting like Vin Diesel is going to have to keep up with with The Rock, right? Because aren't they like says, antagonists? All he, to, all he has to do is really work on his arms because he wears his shirt the whole time. So ah, uh, okay. I don't know if he puts yeah, in as much work. Man, his kind of arms. His arms probably as big as like both my legs put together. I'm just I'm so curious to see it in person. <laughs> 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 that, that's that's gonna be on my bucket list from now on face to face with his, his arm just his one arm. even the weaker one you just have him a corona and then see you know how he takes it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome well i mean uh you know since since we're uh kind of going into characters uh i guess i would say one one of the reasons why i kind of love han is um He's one of the only characters that I know of it that his name was a was an ode to Star Wars. Like his full name is Han uh, C. O. Leo. Ah, yeah, like I his didn't full, know that either. Yeah, his full character name was like Han C. O. Leo, which is like Korean. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, and it was a specific ode to Han Solo. That's pretty oh, cool. Man. That's really cool, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Damn, cool. Adrian, makes, you're slacking. I know, right? I am slacking. Because I read the name, but, you know, I'm not Asian. I'm happy to be <laughs> random, remember? What uh, does that even mean? It's got to have a meaning to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, the characters are great, and I want to get into that. So let's go real quick through, you know, what we usually do. We usually go through a brief history of what we're talking about to give you guys a background. Um, since, I mean, it's a movie franchise and the, you know, the – the storylines aren't that super in depth. I'm going to give some quick plot summaries for those who aren't familiar, or maybe you don't remember because they it all blended in your mind, so you don't know which movies which. So we're going to do a quick plot summary slash history, and then get into the but why those, and spend the majority of our time on that. Uh, you guys ready? Yeah. Let's do it. So before we start, let me take a quick poll. Have you seen all of the movies? No. No. Uh, which I have... haven't you seen? The Fate of the Furious. I okay. That one. Okay, that works then. I have not seen Fast Four or Fast Six. Okay, you need to log out right now and go <laughs> see those two amazing movies. <laughs> Get out of here. Now that works. Um, I'll give you some plot, some plot summary, some the plot summary. I won't go into too many of the details and you know huge, huge spoilers. They've been out for sixteen years, but I still want to leave some of that up to the imagination. Um, so we start off with the Fast and the Furious in 2001. I will also be mentioning the Japanese titles because they have really great titles. In Japan, this franchise is called Wild Speed. Huh. 
Yeah. So it was wow. directed by. I actually like that more. Yeah, yeah I actually do too. And once we go through it, you're gonna be like, man, Japan came up with way better titles than than, <laughs> did, than the like, the actual creators did. But we'll. It, it gets it gets more and more ridiculous, just like the rest of the movies do. So it, it works. Hold on. Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Why did Japan make their own titles? Uh, you know? No idea. Maybe translation <laughs> stuff. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it just couldn't translate right. Maybe it translated into some really funky name title didn't make okay. sense because i was just asking because like i know that like there's really and i don't want to go off on a tangent but like just really quickly i know that there's like a like uh was it uh there's a whole bunch of anime that has to do with like car culture and stuff so i didn't know if like maybe that lined up maybe i don't know we can look into it more and then if we find out or if so one of you guys know who's listening knows mm-hmm. add us let us know why why yeah. is it wild speed but why though yeah and why is it not <laughs> 17 other different titles of you know various car jokes <laughs> various car jokes and and numer- numerals <laughs> so the first one was directed by rob cohen you may know him from dragon heart <clears throat> stealth triple x the boy next door with j-lo so i mean i love dragon heart <laughs> but the other ones are kind of you know okay i guess um, <laughs> so he got the idea i think the funniest thing about this whole franchise that the whole reason he even like made this he got the idea from reading an article about illegal street racing in New York and you know, that, that culture and then, you know, cartooning and stuff like that in Los Angeles. And that gave him the the premise for the movie. And that's how we all got started. So the movie starts off with undercover cop, Brian O'Connor played by Paul Walker. He's trying to infiltrate the street racing world in California, Los Angeles specifically to stop a series of 18 wheeler hijackings where they steal like electronics and stuff like that. Brian, being you know undercover, gets his way into the family, and I'll be referencing the family a lot, and that's just kind of, you know the, the main cast of the show or of the movie franchise. And in this first one, it's primarily uh, Dom Toretto, played by Vin Diesel, and his girlfriend Letty Michelle Rodriguez. There's some other characters, but they don't make any really reoccurring appearances, so I won't mention them too much. Uh, Brian falls for Dom's sister Mia played by Jodana Brewster. If I mispronouncing any of these names, I'm sure Kate will correct me. But just in case, I'm just trying to I'll try to pronounce them <laughs> as best I can, Kate, I promise. <laughs> I'll uh, let it, some of them go. Just depends on how bad it is. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> so, you know, things happens, racing, gear shifts, all this stuff happens. And by the end of it, the family uh, Brian finds out that the family is the one who are doing the hijackings after all this time. And Brian ends up having to save them from the truckers who are, you know, playing to fight back and shoot back at these at the family who's dealing these trucks. Very, very riveting, uh, you know, plot and story development in it. I think it really just gets a lot of traction because there's nothing really like it in 2001. No, not even close. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it it really does hit that market real well. With you know, like I said, I only watched it because my uncle, who was into all of this stuff, showed it to me. So, I think that kind of shows, you know, how we got started. Made quite a bit of money when it came out. Uh, <clears throat> two thousand, two hundred and seven million on a thirty-eight million dollar budget. So, I think that in and of itself just says, all right, they're going to make a lot of these movies if they're making that much money with that small of a budget. Then we move on to Too Fast, Too Furious. And you're going to realize that they do this a lot or try to do this with their titles, you know, bring the numericals into the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> it gets old really quick, but, it, you know, it works sometimes. It doesn't work others. Uh, the Japan title is Wild Speed Times 2 or X2. I'm pretty sure it's Times 2. Yeah, I think it's Times 2. 
Yeah. So this one is directed by John Singleton, most famously who who did Boys in the Hood. Rob Cohen (laughs) is on this one because after the success success of this one, he takes Vin Diesel and goes make Triple X. So this Ah. is the only movie without Vin Diesel in it. The premise of this one is Brian O'Connor, again, Paul Walker's character, is now living in now living in Miami, and he's no longer a cop because he let Dom, Vin Diesel's character, go in L.A. after all the events that happened. Uh, we go back to street racing, and his new friends are primarily Tej. He's played by Luda, Luda Chris, <laughs> who I <laughs> thought, like, like, if you would have told me, like, Luda Chris was going to be a big part of this franchise back when I first saw this movie, I would have thought you were crazy. But Same. And he's actually he, a good actor. But he works really well. Like it, it, it just, it just blows my mind how well it works. I couldn't uh, imagine the series, the franchise without him. Actually, like yeah. in all honesty. Well, yeah. uh, around that time, you know, there there was a lot of um, hip hop artists kind of, you know, cross crossing over to to the movie industry, and I guess like Luda just saw a golden opportunity. And, yeah, it's crazy like how different his character is in this movie compared to the other ones too. Like he goes from just being like the person running the street races to being, you know, the the, the tech hacker. Guy? Yeah, the tech yeah. guy, which is crazy. That was like my favorite thing just to see him as a tech guy. Like ah, yeah. uh, things. You know what what I loved about the series is that he kind of like he was never a tech guy, but he they kind of like put him as a, like someone who knew circuits, you know. Yeah. 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 It's just crazy how he kind of evolved into that like whole tech thing. So what you're saying is you can evolve Jay and become like a tech guy for like when you're the people <laughs> you do your street racing with, they decide to go big and do heist and stuff. That's your role right there, Jay. That's you get mine. To be the tech guy. No, I, I want to be the the cool Asian guy. Like, oh, that's uh, right. that's <laughs> right. That sits in the corner and eats snacks. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I tell you, that's my spirit animal. That's that's what I do every day. And imparts like small words of wisdom. <laughs> if you want to call it that. <laughs> yeah, he's real deep. He's real deep. So because of reason, Brian has to team up with Roman Pierce, his old friend from back in the day. And he's played by Tyrese, another musician who, will you again, if you would have told me that he'd be a big part of this, I would have said you were crazy too. But he works really well as a comic relief in the show or in the in the series. And then there he also teams up with Monica, who's played by Eva Mendez, who's an uh, undercover agent. And they basically are trying to take down a drug lord, Carter Verone, played by Cole Hoiser. Hauser? Hoiser? Uh, and this one does well again. I know some people don't like this one. I, I like this one just because I like Tyrese uh, in, in it, it, it. I think it brings a little bit different, you know, comedy that you really don't get that much in the first one. And this one makes twenty six. $2,236 million on a $76 million budget. So, again, another another big hit. Oh, wow. Then we go- just, just to add on, um, on, on Too Fast, Too Furious, the, the special edition, like, DVD, I don't know if you guys know that there's, like, a little 10-minute, like, add-on. Uh, like, it shows Brian, like, moving from, like, like running from, from the law from West Coast all the way to Florida. What? Yeah, yeah, I think it's something that they should have put in the theatrical cut, in my opinion. But. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it makes the movie, like, ten times more understanding. Yeah, because at the end of the other one, he just, like, gives his keys, and, like, all these cops come. I'm like, you didn't go to jail for that? Like, you didn't – you said the movie? Yeah, I mean, was- but there was, there was no words. It was just, like, him just kind of going through, like, with background music. But it's still equally cool. It shows him, like, yeah. get, get that skyline, and it was really cool. 
So then we move into the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. And Japan, this is Wild Speed 3. So, uh, hold on, Asa. I want you to take time and put the theme song in right now because it's so good. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> um, so this one is directed by Justin Lin. And this is you're, you're going to see Justin Lin direct the majority of these um, up until 6. So he takes the helm for the next few movies. And you can kind of see that with like the action and, and the way the movie is kind of done. And, you know, this probably, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I would say that this probably, his success in this franchise lets him do Star Trek Beyond earlier. And you can take that, I guess, as you will. Um, <laughs> although, the, so the, like, this is where it gets a little bit weird and kind of like the timeline of the, of, the, of the movies. So even though this is the third one to be released, this story actually takes place in between the sixth and seventh movie-ish. Wait, uh, what? Yeah, because it has Han in it and Han's in it later okay. on. Yeah, so yeah. like, it basically Han being in the movie makes this movie take place later on in the the, I think, the series. I think I just showed how like little attention I paid to like actual continuity in these films. So yeah, yeah. See, and you know, <laughs> you didn't think that this franchise would do something like that, but they do. Uh, so Brett the premise Han. of this one is Sean. By Lucas Black lives in Japan with his father, who's in the military, and he's kind of like the stereotypical white guy at a place in Japan with the terrible uh, accent. With a terrible <laughs> accent. Like, I love the movie, but that accent is bad. Yeah, he he's not the best. With so the, he quit the, tw- the twenty-seven-year-old, eighteen-year-old. <laughs> <Yeah. character. laughs> oh, oh gosh! Yeah, yeah. So this is my least favorite movie, just so clear. <laughs> um, <laughs> He he becomes friends with Twinkie, played by Little Bow Wow again. You know, hip hop artists coming in strong. Oh, I and think then, of his whole car. <laughs> and then we also have Han, who we've mentioned mostly, you know, throughout most of this. And Sung Kang, is that, is that the actor's name? Does that work? Mm-hmm. Everyone happy mm-hmm. with that? All right, great. Yeah. So and he helps them navigate the world. He they they both help. Uh, Lucas Black Lucas. I'm write this down. Just say Sean. Yeah, and they both help Sean navigate the world of drifting in Tokyo. So we go back to racing and all this cool stuff. Um, This the main conflict of this is basically Sean's character likes the you know girl that the nephew of the head uh, of the head of the yakuza likes, and that has this whole thing of like beef and stuff. And the nephew is known as the Drift King, so of course. They're going to have massive drift battles mm-hmm. like that. And Han dies in this movie, yeah. which is important for later on. Maybe he dies. I don't know. They keep saying they're going to bring him back, but I have no idea how they're going to do it. So <laughs> like I said before, Vin Diesel has been in all of them except for Too Fast, Too Furious because he does make a cameo mm-hmm. at the end of this movie. Um, and he basically you know, shows up and races against Sean and mm-hmm. says that he's a friend of Han's. And but it's also kind of weird because at the end of the, like the, the line that Vin Diesel says, or like they have like an interaction, and Sean's like, um, you know, you know, this isn't a 10 second race, right? And then Vin Diesel says that he has a 10, he has all the time in the world, which he really mm-hmm. doesn't like in continuity because in the seventh movie, like, <laughs> yeah. like, all, this stuff, all this stuff happens, but we'll come back to that. So this one does like, you know, if you're talking about how much money, money the movies make, this one probably is on the lower spectrum, it made 158 million. On a eighty-five uh, million dollar budget, uh, 
I, I think just for obvious reasons that just doesn't have you know the main cast and it has like a Vin Diesel cameo at the end, so it's kind of removed from everything that you know from the first two movies. Yeah, but it's okay because you guys like it, so you know. That's, you know, that's I, I really it. feel like it, it reinvigorated the the franchise. Uh, yeah. the, the the second movie just left such a sour taste in my mouth from from coming from like a car scene perspective. Like I could only really handle the first maybe fifteen minutes, but then after after like that first in the second movie after the first race, I'm just like you know what it's time to go to bed. Like I can't. <laughs> you don't like you don't like it. the down and back with uh with Fonzie. I mean that scene was okay, but I guess from again from a car point from a car perspective. You know, when that movie came out, like those who were really into like imports and they see him driving that Skyline R34, well, man, my mind just, I had to wear a helmet for those that first like 15, 20 minutes. Like it, it, it blew, it kept just blowing my mind over and over again. That car was so dope. So dope. Any, any import car guy, even now, like that Skyline is just iconic. I think like so I think one of the things I can't talk from like the car the, the the car scene but I know one of the reasons I really loved Tokyo Drift was because of all the car shows that were going on at this time like on TV because like Formula D was on G4 um and then they started airing um I was going to say Top Gun not Top Gun but the that British the British show Oh, top Gear. Top, top gear. gear, yes. It's so quick, it can destroy your entire face. They were running those on G4, and I remember falling in love with them and watching them all the time, and then I tried really hard to get into cars, and Jay remembers this, but then it just, I, I couldn't, because my brain didn't work that way. But <laughs> but it was because of this movie. Um, you, you, you turned your little ignition off inside your brain. That was it. You, put, yep. you hung the keys up. No. <laughs> it kind of sputtered a little bit. <laughs> All right. So then we move into the fourth movie, which is simply known as Fast and Furious. In <laughs> Japan, it's known as Wild Speed, all capital letters, Max. Now that's a better name. That's a much better name. They didn't <laughs> even try with this one to, to make it punny. So again, we go back to Just, Justin Lin directing it, and we also bring back all of the family that we get in the first movie for the most part. So this movie takes place five years after the first film, The Fast and the Furious. Now the family is now living in the Dominican Republic after, and the, the family in this, in this, you know, part being, um, you know, Dom and Letty and things like that. And Han is in this one as well, because they say that they go way back and this is kind of where it starts with Han and Dom being friends, I guess. So they're back to hijack and stuff. They're hijacking fuel tankers. But police pressure and stuff like that forces the family to split up. Months later, Dom's sister Mia gets a, gives Dom a call, and they find out that Letty has been killed. No, Dom's you know ride or die has has been killed. So the rest yeah. of the movie follows Dom trying to find out who killed Letty, and it makes him run into Brian, who's now back in law enforcement. He's on the FBI. Basically, I, I assume after the, the events in the second film of catching the drug lord and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they team up to find out who killed Lady, and that's basically the, the premise of that one. This one you know, goes back to making big money, $383 million on an $85 million budget. So it, it um, brings in some big bucks. So Can I jump in here? Mm -hmm. Y'all are going to hate me, but I actually think I've seen all of them now. 
<laughs> oh my god! It's okay, and you know that's and that's literally why I wanted to go through this so like, people can I, know like which movie is which because they all do kind of blend together. That's what I was gonna say. So like, it's not because I I do like these movies, but I never like went and sought them out. Like actually, actually the only reason I saw Fast Seven in theaters was because uh, uh, Matt and I, uh, my significant other, we went with Adrian to go watch it at the theaters. Um, but yeah, you're reading the plot, and I'm like, wait, I totally remember that one. Yeah, so this one, this is the one that introduce, introduces um, Gal Gadot's character as like working with the people who killed him and stuff, and then like her and Dom try to like she tries to like get it Dom, but Dom's like, nah, you ain't Letty and stuff. So that kind of introduces this movie. Really does it, it does introduce like the family that we know more or less now. Like it brings back, it brings in all those characters. So in Fast Five, which a lot of people see as the best in the series, I don't know if how that opinion changes with this latest one, but this one's really good. It's up until I watched Fate of the Furious, this was my favorite. Again, Fast Five, so we go they go back to doing you know the, the punny stuff, and in Japan, this one is named Wild Speed Mega Max. Also, better time. Wow. Yeah. So they 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 go for it for sure. So the premise of this one, so unable to go back to the U.S., Dom, Brian, and Mia, because of all the stuff, made him a fugitive. Of Again, they're fugitives for a lot of <laughs> this, this <laughs> franchise. Uh, they plan to steal $100 million from a corrupt Brazilian businessman. To do this, Dom and Brian bring in some extra help. So we get – this is where we get everybody in – you know, the next three movies, everyone comes in at this point. So you have Vince from the first movie who's like uh, Dom's like best friend, but he was, you know, he went to go do other stuff in the and, and things like that. You have Tej and Roman from Too Fast, Too Furious, you know, the tech guy and the the, the uh, comedic relief. You have Han from Tokyo Drift, and he's also has like a small part in Fast and Furious. Giselle, who's Gal Gadot's character, and then you have Leo and Santos, also from the previous movie, all come in and try to help to pull off this heist. So this is just one big heist movie, and it's really good. But I think what really, really puts it over the top, and I think what helps this franchise make so much money, is them bringing in um, The Rock to play Hobbs, who basically is trying to arrest them because they're like on like the top of the top like wanted list in the U.S., so they bring in Hobbs, and Hobbs just brings in, you know, that badass character that I think, like, I can't picture this franchise without The Rock. Like, I'm pretty sure he's getting spinoffs after this is all over. Uh, oh, I can see that, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a definitely kick-ass and take-names type of character, yeah. Yeah, he's great. And this one, you know, is when the money really, really, really starts rolling in. So they make $626 million on a $125 million budget. I think a lot of that, again, comes back to bringing in this ensemble and bringing in The Rock. And then, like, the final, the final chase scene with, like, the safe and stuff is just too good to not be like, all right, this is entertaining. So <laughs> then we move into Fast and Furious 6, also known in Japan as Wild Speed Euro Mission. That that's better. <laughs> <I'm telling laughs> you, they're, like, they're very to the point about what's going to happen in this movie. So as you can imagine, like I said before, Justin Lee comes back, and guess what? They're in Europe in this movie. So the family now retired from heist because they always say, you know, at, during these big things, like, all right, one more, one more, and then we're done. <laughs> but they're never done. Um, but they're still fugitives. Uh, they are in Brazil. 
No, no. They're where are they at? They're in it's like some like Brazil, is it in Europe? No, no like, like but is it like the, the Cayman Islands or something like that? Yeah, oh, like the okay. movie. they're like you know in some smaller smaller country. I can't remember where it is at this point, but it doesn't really matter because they're not there for long. Uh, they're approached by Hobbs, who offers to clear their records in exchange for helping him take down a mercenary organization led by Owen Shaw, who's played by Luke Evans. And uh, little do they know after they accept this mission that Letty is actually working with Owen Shaw. But she's supposed to be dead, right? So now we're getting twists in this, in this, you know, in this franchise. So it's mostly them trying to take down Owen Shaw, but a lot of it is Dom trying to like get Lady back because she doesn't remember anything because of the crash that she was in in like the fourth movie, and she doesn't really remember at the end of it. So it's a fun movie. It's probably like on the lower tier of the list in my opinion. Like it's not that memorable to be honest, uh, and like the whole. F- Letty thing. I was like, all right, just show me more hops, please. Uh, <laughs> this one still does make you know, quite a bit of money, not as much as the last one, though. So it makes five hundred and fifty million on a hundred six on a hundred and sixty million dollar budget, and then we get Furious Hold Seven. On. Hold on, now I can say I have seen all of them except for Fast Eight. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so then we get Furious Seven, which is also known as Wild Speed Sky Mission. Um, and the, for those of you who have <laughs> seen. Awesome. For those of you who've seen Fast Seven or Furious Seven, it's because there's lots of planes and jumping out of planes with cars and stuff. So uh, Japanese writers like on board to like the American writers now. So this one is directed by James Wan. Um, I I guess would I I guess Justin Lin might have been working at Star Trek Beyond at this time, maybe. Yeah, that that should I think that's the contract. That's probably how it lines up. And James Wan, you might know him from actually, which I didn't, you know, think put two and two together, but he does a lot of like the horror movies. So Saw, Insidious, Conjuring. Yeah, so he like it may be a different episode all on his own, but James Wan is it's one of he's one of the people credited with the new wave of horror. Yeah, so like when I, because I didn't even know he, because I, you know, we were watching these movies. You really don't think you'll look at the directors, but I think it's a, I think. I I never would have thought that he would have directed any of these movies, but he did. Uh, and he, I think he did a pretty good job. I, I enjoyed the over the topness of the movies. I think this is like them really taking into consideration how ridiculous the franchise is getting and just going all out with it. Um, so this film chronologically takes place after Tokyo drift or like concurrently kind of. So, and you'll get this from the, the premise when I, when I, go through it. So the family's back in the US after, you know, getting their records cleared and they're moving their Dom and Mia and Brian uh, all are kind of and Letty now are all back in LA living the life. Brian and Mia now have a kid, so he's settling down being a family man. Uh, everything's great until Deckard Shaw, who's played by Jason Statham, comes in mm-hmm. And ruins everything. And he is the brother of Owen Shaw, the villain from the previous movie. And he shows up and starting down to hunt the family, mainly kind of in the defense of his brother, but because some other like tech stuff and like evil organization stuff. But he actually kills Han in Tokyo Drift. Uh, We think after watching Tokyo Drift, he dies in a car accident and his car blows up. But really, Jason Statham's character runs into him and basically blows him up and like helps you know kill han because you know han's part of that team that you know basically put his brother in prison so then 
connects that cameo, and then it kind of makes like because that's that's when after he finds out after like Deckard Shaw. No, after hold on. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the franchise kind of goes all over the place. But for some yeah. reason, when you watch it all, it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> this is where, where I mentioned earlier the that cameo in Tokyo Drift really not making that much sense because after Owen Shaw blows up the house that they live in, the, do, the Dom and, and all of them, he goes to Tokyo to find out what happened to Han and basically collect his body. But then he says he has all the time in the world. But So I don't know how that really works. So Somebody just blew up your house. Yeah, but oh, I got all the time in the world. I was like, all right, whatever. But they're approached by Mr. Nobody, who's played by Kurt Russell. And he <laughs> works for like a shadow government off the books thing. And he wants them to help find God's Eye, a device that can find anyone anywhere with movie science, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and in exchange, he'll let the family use God's eye to to track down Deckard Shaw. Um, a lot of crazy stuff happens in this movie, uh, this... but the big point is that it makes so much money. It makes one point five billion dollars on a hundred and ninety uh... million dollar budget, so it cleans absolute house. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on. But I don't think I've ever seen because for those who are familiar. Paul Walker died mid-filming of this movie, and they had to bring in uh, his brothers as stand-ins. And the end send-off in this movie is probably the best I've ever seen in any movie for any character who has, you know, passed away during filming. So great, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, I, so I don't cry. I, yeah, I was like, we can we can talk about the send-off. I mean, we can talk about the send-off here because uh, I, I think I wanted to talk more about like. I think it works within the context of like like you already said it like this is one of the best ones because I wasn't highly invested in Paul Walker's character and I was bawling in the middle of the theater like I was it oh god yeah it, I mean grown, so grown man bawled at that uh, I, I I will not confirm nor deny that some tears came out maybe possibly could have been allergies I don't know uh, <laughs> but it was it was definitely a really strong moment because. Anyone who has followed the series and, and who has had a parallel to to the car, like to the car culture, um, knows that he was like a really big, you know, car enthusiast. And um, even the car that he was in, the Supra, actually came from his personal collection. Yeah, and he was oh, wow. leaving um, a charity uh, yeah. like Gala, like right before. So like, um, and but I'll, I'll let me let me wrap up fat. Fate of the Furious, real quick, just because I want to say the Japanese. Yeah, we'll give him way. his whole. Yeah, we'll give him his. Yeah, whole and section. then we'll jump into the but why those. I think that's a okay. good but why though for it. Uh, so Fate of the Furious, Fate of the Furious. I think that's their best. <laughs> that that's the best that's their one. Best one. Well, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta hear the Japanese. Do you have the Japanese name? Yeah, for it? it's it's Wild Speed Ice Break. <laughs> on some ice in this movie and since it, you know people haven't seen it i don't want to you know ruin like the the big plot stuff in it basically all you need to know is that dom turns his back on the family and the family's basically trying to figure out why um at the time that i wrote these show notes and i don't think it's made too much more than this and i guess around the time of this recording it's already over a billion dollars on a 250 million dollar budget just Damn. about a month after its release. So it's basically, you know, almost made what the previous movie made in a month. So it's going wow. to hit big, big numbers. <sighs> so you might be asking yourself how, like, you, like Adrian, you just went through the most ridiculous plots of 
crazy movies. All of these, these aren't any really big name actors. How is this movie closing in on $5 billion total? Like, how is this one of like the biggest franchises, movie franchises ever? And we're going to talk about it. And the, but why those? <laughs> so for the first, but why though, uh, Jay, I, I like to turn to you just so you can elaborate a little bit more. You said you are involved in, you know, car club culture. How has this movie affected that at all? Um, can you talk a little bit? I know Kate was telling me you do some of like the Paul Walker memorial stuff. Would you be able to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, here, here in Texas, um, I remember when, when he passed away, he passed away in November, uh, maybe like not two years or two, two weeks later, they actually held like a, like a memorial, like car meet. I don't know if, if, for those of you who don't know, like what car meets are, um, usually what, what people do who are, who are invested in, in, in the car culture, um, they pretty much just pick spots around their city and they, they meet up, you know, all, all, all shapes, all, all forms of cars. And, and the theory of it is to, you know, kind of just get to know, you know, your, your, your brother or sister in, in, in the car club culture, you know, you talk about cars and just share, share what you love, share, share passions. And, um, you know, they kind of show that even going into the first movie, because, you know, car, this stuff isn't, it's not new stuff, you know, um, going back, I'll just, you know, point out that, uh, it's been recorded that, you know, street racing, illegal street racing, you know, has been recorded in the fifties and sixties. Uh, car clubs have been like delved back to, to the 50s and 60s, and they were sponsored by sometimes dealerships to help like promote new vehicles. And, and that's kind of, you know, what what happens today, like even now, um, you know, the, the car club that I'm in, you know, uh, recently we were sponsored by by a dealership. And, and what we do is, um, you know, we pretty much we. We, we, we put a face to, to the name of the dealership, you know, like people are like, man, where'd you get that car? You know, you go to this dealership. Do you want and, to plug and, the name of your car club? Yeah, uh, it's Team Cyanide San Antonio. It, it's a cyan only car club. So I, 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 I cross my fingers and pray that we'll be around for the next couple of years since <laughs> since Scion, Scion died. But, um, you know, when, when you go into a car club, for those who aren't really like they've never heard this stuff before, a car club uh it is supposed to be you know a gathering of of, of the shared love of, of what kind of car you have and um it, and you do different things you do shows uh meets cruises uh sometimes like you know every now and again our our, our club will be affiliated with like community service um toy drives stuff like that so it, it you you can you can use your power for good and then you can equally use your power for evil uh illegal street racing uh you know uh, stealing the uh, heisting trucks to steal electronics. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, so it, at least taking out the context of you know them stealing fuel from fuel tankers and stuff. In that first movie, like when we first see uh, Paul Walker's character go to that first race to kind of get in in that in that world, how accurate is that? You know, that gathering of people. Like when you know, like this is not how you stand by a car. It's how you race your car. Yeah, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm pretty sure anyone who was, you know, in the street race, which it was relatively small back then, you know, people, people. I mean, the car, like modifying your car and racing your car is obviously nothing new, but it was a really, you know, specific niche. Not, not a lot of people. Everyone kind of knew everybody. You know, back in the '90s, everyone 
would meet up or, you know, let's just say 2000, 2001, everyone would meet up to, to a certain spot and we would actually like, they would go race. Uh, I mean, even in front of like air force bases oh, wow. because they, yeah, like um, Brook, Brook city base uh, for those of you who, who are San Antonio listeners, Brook city base on military. It was like this long strip of like road. It was perfect. Cops were never there. And they would spend hours just street racing out there because there was no there was no one to complain. And on that part of the base, nobody was there. So it was really funny because it was kind of like, wow, this is pretty, pretty accurate. So people would do it for money. People would do it for free, bragging rights. And Sometimes um, it, the respect is more important. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny. So, so going into the fourth in the fourth movie, I love I love how how they kind of elaborated on this. Um, there's a section in there. I forgot what's his name. It, he's he always says like, uh, he says uh, muscle beats import every time. And there's always been ever since the introduction to imports, there's always been this big conflict between domestic and imports. You know, one's mm-hmm. not necessarily like equal to another, and it's and it's crazy. Like the. The, the the racing scene is is, is always it's going to be there you know the car club scene is always going to be there and there's always shifts but they, based on the first movie it was pretty it was pretty fun to watch because it was pretty accurate and <laughs> it, it it I don't know it, it's really funny it's like you, you would watch it and you're just you tell yourself man am I in this movie is is this <laughs> Because it was really, I mean, obviously it was kind of glorified, Hollywood driven, but the the basic principle of it was pretty pretty spot on. Even even going to like, you know, when the cops show up and stuff, it's that's how it is. You know, everyone just kind of scrambles to to get out of there. That's awesome. Like I, yeah. that that that, <laughs> that that's great. Uh, I mean, I guess I want to know too, because you kind of mentioned it. Like everybody gets together and talks. You know. And joins over their love for the cars as well. Would you say that you know your team is your family or your your oh yeah family? So so I joined my team back in two thousand and seven, and I will do anything for my car club. Like, and it's not necessarily just going based on car, which obviously that's the reason why we get together. You know, we have buy meetings. We we go to shows. We actually just went. Um, we finished up a show. It's called the uh, All Team Bash, and uh, plug in for All Team Bash. You can check them out on Facebook. Um, they are a, um, they're like this, I, I don't know, they're just like a group of people that they, um, they pretty much sponsor stuff for car clubs. So pretty mm-hmm. much like car clubs come together, like we, we met up at San Antonio Raceway and you know, you get to know your fellow car clubs. Yeah, I mean, there was, oh man, there was tons of people there. I'd have to say, realistically, there's probably maybe about 400 cars, maybe about 500 people there. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I, I'm just basing it based on like loose pictures, but I mean the whole parking lot was just filled to the rim, and and it's cool because they have like team participation stuff, and they even had this thing where like they had a push drag race this year, where like you get empty cars and you have to push the like your team members have to push the car, and you're racing two people, and whoever pushes the car first wins, and then like they have trophies and stuff. That sounds it was, really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really good time and it's 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 a way to for you for you to get to know your car club. You know, you guys spend really quality time and then you get to know other clubs. There was some clubs that were there, uh Envious was there, um Bangers was there, and like they showed up like I mean there was like 10, 15 cars, 20 cars strong. There was even uh Jeeps that were there, there was like big truck clubs, they were there. Um that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, it, it, there's good, but then you know you have your 
people go and, and you always hear the bad things, you know, street racing turns into accidents and revving and burning out, peeling out. That that's I mean, that's just you're always going to have those guys that just I don't know for whatever reason, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah, it's also before you, before you get into that, I think it's I think I want to focus on the family part of what you just said because I think it's a big overarching theme of the movies like from the fast and the furious down to fast fate of the furious no matter what movie it is family is a huge part of that and to hear you kind of reiterate that your card club is your family i think goes to why these movies are able to keep being made because all of like the action and stuff like that is fun but when i'm watching this i'm like man yeah family is super important and i think that just goes to show just like the overarching themes of because you know, at this point, who, who's related? Tom, uh, Dom, and Mia. Everybody else is friends. Everybody else is coming in, so that family can extend past those bloodlines. And even when they do meet other, when they are in other countries and they are, you know, going to race against these other people, after it's all said and done, those, the the family, you know, the family of our the the fast fast and the furious and those new people that they're meeting at these other countries when they're racing against them after basically after vin diesel ever beats them all the time you know they become part of the family too like they're interconnected and that doesn't go away throughout the whole thing i think the cast does a lot of that because i really feel when i'm watching that they do have really great chemistry if you look at any interview with them or if you like I follow Tyrese on Facebook, which I do for, I don't know why I have, I just always have <laughs> or like Vin Diesel. Like they're always talking about each other, even if they're not filming, like those people really are a family outside of those movies. I also and wanted to point out to you, Adrian, when we ran, uh, we ran a poll today on our Twitter at, but why though PC um, and the main, and uh, the question was why does fast and the furious matter? And the answers could have been family, diversity, car culture, or explosions. Um, the one that overwhelmingly won was family. Um, yeah, so I think, thanks for voting, uh, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for participating. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to agree and disagree at the same time. I'm going to say that they touch base with a really integral part of, like, car culture. But I, in all honesty, you know, I think with the passing of, of Paul Walker, like, the the – the core of like car culture i'm gonna say it kind of went with with paul walker as well um and the reason why i say that because for one he was one of the only like the true like car enthusiasts and so you know in, in his take like his his opinion is no longer there so they don't really have you know that that big car enthusiast kind of opinion when they're, when they're writing and making these movies and 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 two you know and if you notice, like, it, when they brought in the spectrum of, of, of the movie making, so they kind of, like, you know, one, two, and three, and even, like, a little bit of four, it, there's a really strong, you know, race background to, to the movie. But as five, six, seven come out, it's a lot less racing and a lot more, you know, generalized. And and what you had pointed out earlier, you know, family is kind of what brings these family is what brings these movies together. And one thing that that a lot of sequels kind of don't that they don't really they're not successful in most of the time is having a strong cast because you want to see this cast evolve. That's how some sitcoms can work and some sitcoms can't. Some sequels can work and some sequels can't. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think. I think that they do do it well enough to make 
you know, $1.5 billion for their, I think a lot of that goes to, I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, but right at, like, I don't know if, you know, their interviews and their stuff and them talking about each other lends to people thinking that these people really are that close. But if you go back and you look at, uh, you know, awards acceptance speeches after Furious oh, they're heartbreaking. or Vin, basically anything Vin Diesel and Tyrese talking about Paul Walker is, you know, heart tugging. And I can't watch them without, mm-hmm. you know, thinking that, that like those dudes really did all love each other. Um, and I think it just goes to show that celebrity deaths do matter <clears throat> and not to like plug one of our, you know, first episodes, but we did do a whole episode on celebrity deaths. And that's why I think, you know, those deaths aren't funny. Like I don't find Paul Walker memes because I know they're everywhere. I just don't find those funny at all. Cause like that dude did have a family. He was a great guy. Like you said, he mm-hmm. did do charity events. He did do all of this stuff and to like make memes about the way he died. I just don't think it's very funny uh, yeah. just because he had friends and family. And you can see that by looking at Vin Diesel talk about Paul Walker. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it was it was really tragic what, what happened. And um, you can tell even like a year, two years later, you know, they still talk about it. They still miss him. You know, they'll, they'll go on these random Twitter and, and video tangents and how they wish he was still there. Like, obviously, it, it, it really it really impacted their, their personal life as well. It's really sad. Yeah, I, I think it's a. This is probably a good transition moment um, to go into Paul Walker, to Paul Walker. Um, so initially, I was so as I've said on other casts and stuff, I'm really into. I mean, this isn't true crime, but I'm really into true crime, and I was going to bring down everything. But all you need to know is November thirtieth, twenty thirteen. Uh, Paul Walker and his friend Roger Rodas uh, were at a charity at one of. Um, one of his charities uh, reach out worldwide for victims of Typhoon Yolanda, and uh, they ended up uh, crashing their uh, the Porsche Carrera GT. Um, he died, uh, and they ended up suing his family. Ended up suing Porsche for uh, wrongful death. Porsche, pretty, as you see, most of the time they pretty much did nothing about it. Um, that being said. Like Jay and Adrian touched on, like his death was felt everywhere. And it wasn't just in the, um, it wasn't just from Vin Diesel or Tyrese. It was also from the fans. And I think Jay, what you were talking about, about how he was really intrinsic into how him and car culture were one and the same. And he mm-hmm. brought in the people who were car guys, car uh, car women, and car, you know, just car enthusiasts in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I pulled off of uh, the website for the San Antonio Paul Walker Memorial Races, and I just wanted to read this. And I want you all to, I want, I want listeners out there to just kind of think about what I'm about to say and try and think about Paul Walker um, after listening to this. So... Paul Walker's love for motorsport spanned well beyond the Fast and the Furious franchise. An inspiration to all humans was a big supporter of the racing community. Paul passed away four years ago, and at this event, we take time out to remember what he has done for the automotive community. We also celebrate his life by taking part in activities that were dear to him. The day starts off with roll racing down the strip. In the afternoon, we begin our car show and drift exhibition. As the sun sets, we open up for full-on drag racing, DJs, laser light show, dancing, and fun. We will have drifting going on while drag racing is underway, making Saturday night action-packed. At 11 p.m., we will invite anyone with a vehicle to drive down the track in a tribute to to Paul Walker. 
This was one of the highlights of last year's event as the sun broke through the clouds and shed rays of light as if he was watching us honor him. We have several activities arranged for kids, so bring out the power wheels, RCs, and bicycles. We will have bouncy castles, balloon animals, and a place and and a playscape set up for the little ones. A full day of fun for friends and family. Don't forget to sign in on our Paul Walker. Uh, sign in on our Paul Walker Heroes Wall. A, per, a portion of all proceeds will be donated to charity. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember. You know, um, I remember the first the first time. The first time it was kind of like. Like the, the year that he passed, they they a couple of weeks later they set up this this meet. It was on Days of Vala and I ten for those of you who who are in the San Antonio area, kind of like the north side of town. And they were gonna cruise, like all of um, Loop sixteen oh four, which is this massive loop freeway. But at the very beginning, there was this Honda. Yeah, God forbid, as a Honda. Um, <laughs> it, it, he actually like sped up and he slammed into. Um, some car, it, it, it's, I'm sure it's on YouTube, but uh, he hit a car and the car had a, had a lady with kids and I guess he didn't have insurance. So he got out of the car and he like took off and it just left such a sour taste in the first year. Like no one wanted to do it like the following year, but then it got really organized and I went, I went to the, to the like years following and uh, they were just, man, you, it's crazy that like, how many people showed up to these, to these you know memorial meets it was it was nuts and for you like when you went like was it could you feel everybody's connection like not, not even with like the character that he played but like with him uh you know what when you're there you, you kind of just get um you, you just get kind of stuck in the nostalgia of of you usually most car events right so okay. the, the second the second year that they did it it was at a, a mall they got permission to um, kind of fill up um, a mall parking lot and there was so many people there that they filled up three mall lots and a like a, a two two car garage wow i mean i mean there were car man there were vipers nsx's there were porsches there was hondas there was mustangs and everyone was just walking around enjoying themselves at the very end of it, you know, they just wanted to thank like Paul Walker and this and that. Um, and then the last two years, it's been at, at San Antonio Raceway. The San Antonio Raceway one was really, really good. Like the first one, which was two years ago, because it was so cold. It, it had just got done raining. It was like 40 degrees outside. And I would have to say there was probably about like three or 400 people there. It was it was nuts. And at, at the end, at the end of everything, once they gave because it was a car show, once they gave the awards, everyone got on the strip and they pretty much like cruised out of of the strip onto the freeway. Wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty dope. I think I also want to say too, Adrian, like doing this episode, I like once we knew we were gonna bring Jay on, I was like, well, I'm gonna look up the Paul Walker stuff because I know he goes to these memorials and I like personally on air want to extend like an apology to you whenever because i i have posted like two of those memes and reading up on his impact in the community reading up on the impact that it had on his family on the friend like like sincerely i don't know why i would ever have done that like if, if you don't know who paul walker was outside the movies you should yeah. you should look it up yeah, because like it outside of him just you know bringing a lot to the franchise, like he was just generally a good dude. He had two kids. Yeah. Like it was, uh, 
And his death was just tragic and could have been totally prevented. And he wasn't even driving. And it's just like a whole lot of things to it. It's one definitely one of those deaths like that should not have happened. You know, kind of you know harking back to our Anton Yelkin when I covered Anton Yelkin. Like it's so it's one of those things that shouldn't have happened. And you know the world is lesser for him him not being here. Not only for the franchise, of course, but just for all of the stuff that he did outside of it. But the fact that you know just listening to to Jay talk about you know. The, the, the events personally, I think it really just goes to show, you know, how much of an impact he actually had, you know, despite you know, people would might say like his lack of acting ability, but just the stuff he did outside, I think is way, way more important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be lying if I said he like, you know, him personally in, in this movie franchise that he didn't really put a, a big, strong reflection of, of, of car enthusiasts. Uh, because a lot of car enthusiasts knew how he was, you know, out outside, you know, the movie realm, and that he really was, you know. And there's there's little tangents that even if you if you don't know anything about car, you can look up like almost every movie except for the first one. He always represented Nissan. He always had a, a, a <laughs> Nissan in like every movie because he's like a really big Nissan fan, you know. So it's just those little things, and um, I, I hope that like those of you who don't know about car culture is car culture is, is so strong and but it's like this i don't know this this unwritten law this um like just because you don't really know about cars it's it's you can always like with the help with like car clubs and car culture like you can really get uh, understand it um you know th there's been like these massive trends lately you know because i i work on cars I'm, I'm a professional um install technician that i've been i've been a, a professional for about you know 15 16 years and going like seeing the transition of what these car companies do now it they they gradually make it harder and harder for people like me to, to, to work on cars and people like you and you know, viewers at home or listeners at home to, to want to work on their cars. You know, it's, it's these car industries that make it harder. Like uh, I actually read an article just recently that um, the, the big like automotive groups, you know, your, your uh, Chevy Ford, Toyota, even Nissan, they're, they're trying to pass this law that, um, even though you buy a vehicle and you own the vehicle, um, they put a lot of like patents in the software in, in computer, um, computer BCMs in the cars that they keep the patents on. So like, even though you physically own the car, you don't own the software rights. So if there's a problem with the car, you like have no choice, but to take it to oh, wow. like a dealership and then they could charge, you know, practically whatever they want at that point. And if you're if you're like a small time, you know, uh, mom and pop shop, small garage, and and you work on this stuff, like you have to buy into that, and it's like expensive equipment. So they're trying to phase out like these mom and pop shops that may or may not know what they're doing, and it's really sad because people like me who I I I I mean to void you know, manufacturers warranties as soon as I get cars and it's going to make it progressively harder for me. But, okay. you know, car, car enthusiasts, those who are like, who delve strongly in, into these cars, you know, if you're in car clubs and if you're part of the community, they have answers. I mean, they, you know, a check engine light comes on and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and you could get on a car forum, like a Nissan forum and be like, help me. This is what happens. And you'll get a response like 10 seconds later from 14 guys, all of them with the same answer. And sure enough, like that's your problem because 
the, the car the car culture is just that strong you know we 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 do it for the love of the game we don't necessarily do it for you know for the most part for anything else you know so yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because after awesome. and and not to take away from what you said and this obviously this is like the fantasy character doing this but in, at the end of fast five after like he basically got 12 million dollars Ludacris went back and opened up uh, like his own shop so <laughs> literally he could work on cars all people getting ripped off yeah yeah yeah, yeah it, it's, i mean once once you're a part of this culture like obviously i i've, I've kind of worked my way in and uh, it's so hard to get out like i i have i tell my wife all the time i have a ba in, in marketing and management and i just I just don't see myself using it because I can't get out of this car industry because, <laughs> you know, it, w w one thing I tell myself is even though, like, I may not, like, you know, obviously no one wants to work, work, you know, if everyone's supposed to sit at home and just do nothing all day, like, that's like a dream thing to do, but I, I don't complain about my job. Like, I love, I love talking about cars all day and I love yeah. working on cars all day and, and my clients, you know, they see that and, that you know, that makes them come back. Because it, it goes beyond just, just a paycheck. And a lot of car guys, people who open their own shops, um, you know, they, they do it because they love to do it. Yeah. Not necessarily because, you know, they do it for the money or they do it for, for the name or whatever, yeah. discounts at certain things. It's because, you know, so most guys, you know, we love to do it. We spend thousands of dollars on parts we don't need. <laughs> Like we, we have to work two jobs to, you know, afford this stuff. But when we get it, it's like, Man, it's like 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 and newborn I, baby for real. And I think that's like really so it obviously has to do with people and not so much with car parts. But I think one of the great things that I want to point out, like so Vin Diesel, I mean he's he's produced a lot of these movies, right, Adrian? Yeah. Yeah. So uh two things. One I want to point out, a lot of these names are hard to pronounce, but a lot of these names are hard to pronounce because a lot of them aren't well known actors. And it's it's probably one of the most diverse casts I have ever seen. And what you're saying about you're doing it because you love to do it and it's not about the money. Casting actors like that in an industry that says, hey, you should have big name actors or just white actors or like taking those risks to bring people on like that, which I hate characterizing as taking a risk because obviously I like it, I'm only speaking from like the market wise. It's a reason why you know matt damon was in great wall like money wise that's a risk for studios to make and vin diesel saying we're gonna get we're gonna get everybody and like we're going to make this our, one of our priorities to have a representative cast like you talking about and i don't know if vin diesel's in car culture or not but i think his love of these movies is what has driven him to create the cast and family that he has um in these films yeah it's crazy like it's 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 a majority non-white cast like when how often do you see that with movies that are making 1.5 billion dollars with multiple movies yeah like it, it it's really crazy and i think the, the best thing about it um, or one of the, like the best things about their cast is that they're not at least at least when i'm watching it i don't see anyone overly stereotyped like the black either. guy is the tech guy yeah the you know han is like this cool you know He's not the Han isn't the tech guy, and they could have no, easily made him the tech guy. I'm, I'm gonna basically. say that, that that's pretty pretty stereotypical because you know Asian guys are such cool guys, you know. Just, <laughs> I know some pretty uh, not cool uh, Asians. Oh man, you got the wrong kind of Asian friends then, because <laughs> <laughs> you need me as a friend. 
<laughs> okay, that works. That works. You're a lot cooler well, than me, Jay. So, like, yeah. um, <laughs> I think one of the things I like about like with the character of Han, or even like the so even like the uh, the other Asian men in the film, like they're shown as being really, really masculine. And one of the things that's going on in um in Hollywood and in pop culture right now, when it comes to casting Asian men, like we're actually starting to realize or you know because the asian american community is coming out and saying hey you can't just cast us as this or that like we should be able to play these strong roles too because you never see han doing kung fu in fast and furious i don't even know if he can actually fight does he actually even ever fight anybody i don't think he like ever like hand-to-hand fights anybody no no not that i know you know i think well uh, in the seventh movie uh, wasn't that tony jaw in that fight scene yes i think it was Dang, that's so cool. Tony Jaws, so cool. <laughs> Anyone who just rides an elephant is just amazing. For those of you because, who know because Tony he, Because he loves elephants, not because of, like, anything, you know, animal, like, cruelty-related, yeah. but... Like, Tony... Know, uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I was gonna say for those for those of you who don't know, Tony Jaw is a Thai martial artist uh, who is very big in The Protector and Ong Bak, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, another another thing, and Kate might push back on this on me a little bit, but I don't think the men are like, because this because it, it could have been very easy for Fast and the Furious to go full Expendables, and just get, you know, seven dudes who look like the Rock, yeah. and like make them drive cars. But in terms of like the men on screen, other than like the Rock and Dom, and Vin Diesel's always going to be, you know, that kind of like '80s action star build. I mean, you have Han, you have Tyrese, you have Ludacris. They're not kind of like the stereotypical action movie star. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Dom might, yeah, like Dom might have like that 80s build and so does The Rock. But they have like these moments of vulnerability that you really don't get in 80s action star movies. Well, that's uh, what I was going to say, too. Like, there is some body diversity between the men and the cast. There isn't that much for the women, but there is for the men. And then I would say, too, like, even though these guys are, I, I think they pretty much, I think they are the Expendables now, with The Rock, Jason Statham. You know, I think they are the Expendables, but in a different way. Um, because you're right. They do show vulnerability and they show connections mm-hmm. and empathy. And they're not just, I'm going to blow this up and that's it. They care about, even if it's just them caring about the, the family and the people they're interacting with personally, like a lot of the times like men can't be sad or men can't be this emotional. And a lot of the stuff that happens in these movies, they're driven by their emotions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so, for sure. Plus, I, I, I mean, that. They, they have such continuity with, with the same characters that you get to see, you know, them really expand on their emotions over time. Yeah. Go see Fast and Furious if you want to see some emotional heart tugging <laughs> moments. Like I did not expect that movie to get that emotional after the seventh movie. You know, because you know that movie's really not that emotional until like the last the last send off scene. But Fate of the Furious has some moments where I'm like, damn, that uh, that was some actual emotion you just showed right there, yeah. Vin Diesel. Like and I also yeah, want to point, <laughs> I also want to point out, body diversity sucks for women in this movie, but strong women are there. Yeah, I, I like, honestly women think that, ass yeah, are there. their their women in the cast really do cover basically everything. Like you have Jordana Brewster, who's Mia, who's who kind of takes on like that maternal motherly role, but she also like drives cars in like a lot of these scenes in in a lot yeah. of these high scenes. Uh, Gal Gadot, you know, skinny, petite, but she'll shoot you right in the face. 
at like a moment's distance. Michelle Rodriguez, of course, like badass to the T. Yeah. Like they are all petite, which I think is a problem, but you're right. Like they embody different characteristics, like in their characters, like they're not just the same character over and over again. Like mm-hmm. if you put these women in a room, they're probably not going to get it. Like it's the same when you have male characters, they have so many different personalities. If you put them in a room, they may get together at the end, but those personalities may not mesh right off the bat. And with a lot of movies, especially action movies, if you put all the women in the same room, they're all going to have the exact same opinions, the exact same skills. And with Fast and the Furious, they eat like they're integral members of the team because they are written to be individual characters apart from the team as well. Yeah, it's great because like even when you have like the male, you know, you have the tech guy, you have the muscle and things like that, and you even yeah. get that when you look at at the female cast as well because um Nathalie Emmanuel who you might who plays um the tech girl you, mm-hmm. know, you might know her from Game of Thrones you know she's the tech girl like she's not going to fight probably ever but she brings that that opposite yeah. to Tej and then they brought they actually brought in like female MMA fighters you know Ronda like Michelle I Rodriguez, like Michelle Rodriguez fought, went down with Ronda Rousey and she's also <laughs> fought Gina Carano like she's yep. fought two MMA fighters I don't think that she should have won any of those, especially. With I don't either. <laughs> but you know, they were they were but... great fight scenes. And then in yeah. the eighth movie, you have I, I'm going to butcher her name, um, Char Charlie's Theron. Charlie's Theron. Charlie's Theron. Theron. Yeah, she's a pretty goddamn good villain. Like, yeah, no, she, she's she's pretty good. Yeah, she's a great villain, and, and like her other stuff too. But like, no, I was going to say that too. Like, my step for because I, you know, we always got to keep pushing. What can we do to make it better? Yeah. I think I want to see somebody with Gina Carano or Ronda Rousey's body type as an actual character versus somebody who is to be fought. Then I'll be really happy. You, you know, know I, I, mean? I I just love the fact that they that they even give the opportunity to um, to empower women in in roles like these, just in general. Because let's just say going back to car culture, you know, car culture is pretty massively you know yeah. chauvinistic. You know, you don't really see females in 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 car culture unless they're you know models or something like that and that's that's just not true because you know there's a lot of you know respected females in 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 car communities that they that they work on their cars or i even have you know i even have colleagues who are who are you know installers that are female and and i you know like we we as a group we support them you know, because in the end, if they know what they're talking about, if they know what, what they're doing, yeah. they're, we're all one in the same because we're all part of the same yeah. industry. So, you know, you, you, generally speaking, the, I, I love the fact that they empower women um, in general. They give them really strong, you know, kick ass. There are, there are a few times where, like, Mia has to take the car from Paul because she's just a better driver, right? Uh, like, no. No? Okay. I thought that just happened. Like, just Paul's about to, like, jump out of the car, basically. Oh, uh, okay. I thought that happened. Yeah. Never mind. But no, but she she definitely is in on the heist in like the in the fourth movie, like the start of the movie. She's she's right there. It's like she can handle herself, even having that maternal role, which really doesn't happen. Tough. We're running run, yeah. um, low on time, but I do want to mention one more. But why though? I think is really important to why this is so successful. Outside of the the family um, the family tones and the really great cast, I think this franchise has evolved in a way that let it be this successful. So you basically go from point break, you know, esque movie to a basically like a pseudo superhero movie. Like these dudes are basically the Avengers at this point. Um, <laughs> and you know, if you did just street racing for 
you know, eight movies, I don't think they'd be at this point. So as a superhero movies and like these larger than life, you know, actor or like these larger than life characters are, are becoming the basis of like Hollywood movies. They moved with it. I think super well to make it different enough mm-hmm. where it's not the Avengers or like just the justice league. It's a uh, better expendables. That's what yeah. I want to say. It's a better expendables. Yeah, because they, I think they, they with do family, it correctly. Yeah. With family. Yeah. It's Expendables with a story. Even yeah, Expendables, and Expendables with a story. And comedy doesn't seem forced because you actually bring in people who can do comedy. Uh, so I think what a lot of these, and even, I think they bring the diversity much better than a lot of these superhero movies do. Oh, Marvel, yes, they do. Marvel's they getting do. better at it. They really, really are. Uh, but for a long DC time, like sucks. that. They were that's DC and Marvel, one of their big knocks of just not doing diversity. Yep. And they've been doing and fast the Fast and Furious franchise has been doing it way before then. And I think you get the family and like the, the overtones more in these Fast and the Furious franchise than you do in you know Avengers or yeah. uh Fast and the or in you know Batman versus Superman where they're only friends because their moms have the same name. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to have to agree. You know, when, when you look at the numbers, what you were pointing out, you know, earlier that as soon as they started expanding and, and really delving into a more broader spectrum of the movie, you know, and not, you know, don't get me wrong. Like if, if they did eight, eight movies with just street racing or whatever, <laughs> I'll, I'll be in the movie theater every weekend. But at the same time, you know, it, it's not entertaining. It, it's as much as entertaining for me. It's not, it may not be as entertaining for you. So they really kind of integrated, you know, several cultures, several, you know, uh, ethnicities, you know, to come together. And they really made this successful formula. And you can see it in the numbers because, you know, when you look back in, in, in the Tokyo Drift movie, you know, it was really strong in car culture and more particularly in, in Japanese car culture, which people in America don't really understand. It made the, the least amount of money. But once they started broadening the spectrum, you know, that yeah, the money made, you know, it, it shows in, in the revenue. I think the last point that I want to end on um, is, I guess, my biggest thing from from what I see the Fast and Furious doing and what I hope people will take from it, especially action movies, diversity does sell. Like, stop using the excuse that it won't. It does. Yeah, yeah and you don't have to it's, get the same characters over and over again. Like, you could try other people and it, it'll work. It, it'll, exactly. It'll so. This is 2017, people. Whitewashing doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna get I was gonna get Matt Damon to come in and sit in for you, Jay, but I figured I'd actually ask you this time. No, I appreciate it. You know, I, I had a blast. This is this was really fun. I I, I really enjoy like talking about this. Um just be I mean, I guess even more so because this is this is something that I've literally, you know, lived through. It's not necessarily something that, you know, you kind of just watch the movies as they come out, you know. I, I, I was out there, you know, on the side of the road in the late nineties and early two thousands, you know, watching these street races happen, happening. And, you know, uh, it, I, I actually had, you know, on a personal relationship, a lot of these guys that would go out there and do it. And as, as you grow into that, you know, it's kind of fun just kind of going back and I, I get to explain what, you know, what, what you may not understand what was the background from the very, very first movie. Uh-huh. No, that's that's uh, I'm really happy we got you on, Jay. Um, thank you for everything you contributed, because a lot of this we probably would not have been able to touch on. 
Um, yeah, especially Han, Han being Han Solo. Yes. <laughs> you you, you yeah, had the first I, five I minutes of the podcast, I, bud. I, I caught that. Oh, man, it was it was a couple years ago, and I was like, what? Oh, my God. I'm going to get his name tattooed on my chest. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Uh, well, I think with that, we're going to call it a wrap. Uh, as always, you can find us at ButWhyTheOPC on Twitter, Instagram. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It helps other people find us. It's probably the biggest thing you can do to support us. Uh, you can find us on Twitch as well, uh, twitch.tv slash ButWhyTheOPC. And you can find me personally on uh, Twitter and Instagram at OhMyMythRandier and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash OhMyMythRandier. Uh, Adrian, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93, and on the But Why Though Twitch every now and again. Uh, and Jay, how about you? Uh, you want to find you? Yeah, um, I guess I, I don't, I, I set up a Twitter account, so, I, but I don't really check it. But uh, if, oh, if you want to, yeah, if you want to leave me Twitter uh, messages or whatever, it's, uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram is at Steezmoso, S-T-E-E-Z, M-O-S-O. Give us your car club one more time, that way uh, yeah, uh, we well, already say uh, on people out there. Yeah, so anyone in the San Antonio, uh, New Braunfels, Austin area, it's uh, Team Cyanide, uh, Team D-E-A-M, Cyan, S-C-I-O-N, I-E-Y-E-D, Team Cyanide, San Antonio chapter. So big shout out to them, and uh, and big shout out to you guys for bringing me on. Thanks, and I will include um, all of the car club stuff uh, for people who want to get involved or don't know how uh, in our show notes when we post this episode. Uh, so thanks again uh, and yeah that was a great episode guys oh wait hold on we gotta get Adrian loud loud and clear oh salute me familia go go get some Coronas see you next time (laughs) bye guys bye